Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, Episode 21 with Caleb Suko. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. If you care about missions, this is the place for you. Whether you're actively involved in ministry and missions, are considering missions, or serve God in the marketplace with a heart for God's kingdom, you're in the right place. Join us each week for inspiration, encouragement, resources, and so much more as we delight in the things that God is doing all around the world. All right, let's get started. I'm really happy to have Caleb Suko on the line with me today. Caleb and his family are missionaries to Ukraine. Right now, they're in the U.S. preparing to return in just a few weeks. In spite of all the fighting and challenges, they feel like God would have them return. Caleb's also a podcaster, a blogger, and the vice president of AWBE, I'm sorry, ABWE, the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. In fact, I was first introduced to Caleb through his blog at sukofamily.org and his podcast, Now is the Time. If you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you may have noticed that I've shared a few of his posts and episodes. I really appreciate his honesty and his perspective. I think that there's a lot Caleb can offer us today, and it's my hope that our conversation will inspire and challenge both you and me, that we'll walk away with some understanding of how we can apply what we've learned wherever God has called us. I'd also like to mention that he's recently released a book on Amazon called What If? How to Kill Worry and Anxiety Before They Kill You. I'll be sure to link that up in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Caleb Suko. Okay, Caleb, I've given just a little introduction. Now, can you take a minute, tell us about yourself and your ministry? We'd like to get to know you personally. Sure. Well, I'm definitely glad to be able to talk with you, Brian. Um, one small correction, or maybe oh. it's a big correction. <laughs> that is, I'm vice president of the Church Ministries Institute. Oh. Um, so, but ABWE is our mission that we're with, uh, Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. Uh, but I am vice president of, of the Church Ministries Institute, which is a big part of our ministry. We um, have been in Ukraine. We live in Odessa, Ukraine, which is right down southern part of Ukraine on the Black Sea shore. We are, people ask us, well, are you in the Crimea or where are you? We're actually not in the Crimea, but we're just west of the Crimea, probably about a two-hour drive from the Crimea. And we've been there, like I said, since 2007. The main focus of our ministry has been on training church leaders through our Church Ministries Institute. And we do that training primarily in, uh, in the context of local churches, so, for instance, last school year, I believe we had 18 churches in Ukraine, uh, and that actually includes several churches in Moldova that run our program, and we had over 300 students, and we have students from all kind of from all ministry 
spheres, I guess you could say. We have pastors that study with us. We have youth ministers. We have um, music ministers. We have children's ministers. Uh, so we have men, women. We have old. We have young. Uh, quite a broad range of students. And so that's kind of the main ministry focus is with the Institute. We also do training with the Institute. We do seminars on evangelism and discipleship. And then, of course, we work with our local church, which our church in Odessa is called Hope for People. And it was started in 2004. We have about uh, 160 or so members. And so I serve as uh, one of the pastors in our local church there in Odessa as well. And that's kind of a brief summary there of our ministry. Okay. And I know that you're in the States right now, but when you're in Ukraine, can you tell us a little bit of how your life runs there, just so we can kind of connect with what life is like? Yes, we've been in the States uh, for 10 months, and a week from Monday, we fly back to Ukraine. This was just kind of our planned uh, uh, time when we connect with our supporting churches and, and our individual supporters. So... Uh, I don't know if there's such a thing as, as regular day. I mean, <laughs> you know how that goes. But generally, uh, I spend uh, three to four days a week at the offices for our institute. And so I would uh, – we, we walk a lot in Ukraine. So I usually walk to work and I walk home. It's about a – let's see. I'm, I'm used to doing everything in kilometers. It's two and a half kilometers which is what, about um, about a mile and a quarter? To, yeah, a mile, a quarter, mile and a half, something like that. Yeah. So so we enjoy actually all that walking because it kind of keeps the weight off. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I'll spend three or four days out of the week at the Institute working in our offices there in, uh, in Odessa. And then uh, the other one or two days a week, um, oftentimes I'll be doing church ministry things. And our church is just about a 10-minute walk from our house, which is really, really nice to have it so close. Um, also, and one thing I didn't mention what the last several years that we've been in Ukraine, I've also served as a, a team leader for our missions team in Ukraine. We have a team of about uh, a dozen uh, people. And so, so then it, usually I would spend at least one day a week doing uh, work, administrative work for, for our team. Okay. A lot of it was just ensuring, like, for instance, that our missionaries, uh, that they have visas and that they are registered in the country. A lot of people don't realize how much work that takes, <laughs> depending on what country you're in. But it's a lot of running around to government offices, standing in line, a lot of documents and yeah. just, you know. In a way, it's kind of the boring stuff of missions. But you know what? If you don't do it, well, if you don't do it, then you're not there. So it's it's very vital in order to keep uh, keep the missionaries on the ground, you know. And then, of course, on weekends, you know, I'm I'm usually busy in churches, uh, either in our church uh, where uh, I'll often be preaching, or uh, we I often visit uh, other outlying churches in the villages. Um, or, or some of our churches where we're running our institute programs. So, so I often um, travel uh, to other churches even overnight and uh, if we're doing a seminar or something like that. And I'll do quite a bit of traveling in Ukraine as well. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing all that, Caleb. Now that we know that you have just a tiny bit of stuff on your plate, 
or maybe a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. And now that we know you just a little bit, can you share with us, um, and I know you have a scripture that's been meaningful to you. Can you share with us a scripture that's been really meaningful to you and then how that's formed, how you, how you behave and how you live? Yeah, I think, you know, one verse of scripture that, I mean, it's since childhood. And I was, uh, I grew up in a church context. So from a very young age, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Has been really a key verse in my life. And even more so as we've, uh, as we've gone off to Ukraine. And because... One thing that I've recognized over and over again, or that the Lord's shown me, mm-hmm. is that you know you make a plan, you you decide you're going to do this or that, and then things change, yeah. and and oftentimes the Lord leads you through those changes. And one so like a very key example in my life is that just the fact that I'm in Ukraine, and it was something that I never never planned on doing earlier on in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Ukraine my first time in 1994 and I went back in 95 when I was still young. Uh, I was a teenager at that time. Never, ever thought I would move there as a missionary, but you know, the Lord leads. And if you trust him, he will lead in your life. And he often leads in ways that, that you just don't expect at all. So I've just learned to you know, take that verse and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And uh, just kind of, you know, not not have expectations, too many expectations of exactly, you know, where I'm going to be, how the Lord's going to use me, because he just he just surprises me so often with those things. But if I'm trusting, uh, those are good surprises. And and I can trust his leadership all the time. Yeah, that's that's so true. Now, we know, Caleb, especially with a life filled with an adventure, that, we, that it's not always easy. It's not always happy. As we get started, we'd like to hear about a time in your journey when you encountered a significant challenge or a failure, maybe a time when your back was against the wall and you needed a breakthrough, or maybe a time when you were praying for somebody else. Paint us that picture of God's faithfulness. Yeah, you know, uh, there was a, uh, before we went to Ukraine, which uh, we would at that time, it was 2004, uh, my wife and I were actually praying. We were praying that God would give us more opportunities to just, to just share, share the gospel with people. And we found out that's kind of a, you know, God answers prayers in ways that you don't expect. So we had prayed that and we were on our way to the mission field. Basically, I was finishing up my seminary education at that time. I had spent uh, five or six years as a as an intern pastor in my father's church here in Washington, and and we were excited. We were you know like just ready to join the mission and thinking another year or two we're going to be in Ukraine. And right after we prayed that prayer, we found out that our son who was just over, well, he was uh, about a year and a half at that time. He was diagnosed with cancer. Oh. And, you know, it just kind of stopped us in our tracks. And we're, and, 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 you know, we were thinking, well, wait a minute, Lord, you know, here we are. We're ready to serve you. Yeah, I got my education almost finished up, my my training in the church, and we're just, we're ready to go. And now, and now this, what is this? Well, you know, God uses those things as well. 
And what we found was that as we went through this experience, which was a very tough time for my wife and I, it brought to us people that we never before really would have talked to about the gospel. Mm. And it opened them up. And we were able to share the hope that we had. And so we really saw God's faithfulness in using that experience where a real tough time, you know, like, like kind of like you're back against the wall. You don't know what to do. You're thinking, why is this happening? And yet it was a time when we were able to share our hope in Jesus with many of our friends uh, and neighbors. And, uh, and thankfully God brought us through that. Uh, our son was healed through the, through the help of, of doctors and, and everything. But that's just the thing that, you know, it was kind of like we prayed, give us a better testimony. And God did it in a way that we never, never would have expected him to, to do that. And what's, if you could just take one thing from that story that God showed you, what's that one thing that you would share with somebody? Well, I think the one thing that I would share is that uh, God is often, you know, we see his faithfulness most clearly in the tough times of life. That's so true. Now, with that, we're going to go ahead and move to the other end of the spectrum. We've heard about this challenge, the really what would have been a heartbreaking experience, discovering that your son has cancer and then the, the revelation that God heals him. We'd like to hear about another time, you know, when, when God has given you one of those aha moments or those moments of revelation, because th- those exist as much as the challenges do. Can you share with us that time when it seemed like God maybe just parted the skies and showed you something or revealed something that you hadn't even expected? Yeah, I think that uh, the inter- well, I think for us, for, for myself, and I'm speaking for my wife too, because we kind of went through this together. Uh, it, <laughs> it would probably be too much to say that it was God parting the skies and all of that. <laughs> um, but for us, you know, that aha moment was a very long moment. Okay. And what I mean, it was a process because my wife is Ukrainian. And she came to the States to study uh, back in 1999, and we met at Bible college. And at that time, she was interested in going into missions. And I had just come back from six months down in Brazil working with New Tribes Missions. Mm. And I was also interested in missions, but I felt like I needed a biblical education before I uh, went off and did that. And so we met, we got married at the end of the school year, and, you know, it was kind of like, we got married and everyone just assumed, oh, you know, my wife is Ukrainian. And, and at that time, I had been to Ukraine twice on a short trip. And everyone just like, oh, so you're going back to Ukraine as missionaries. Well, for us, we, you know, I was thinking of going to South America, first of all. And my wife had had some contacts with some missionaries in Fiji and she was thinking of going to Fiji as a missionary. And so we kind of had these two different directions, both interested in missions, but we, I wanted to go to Brazil. She wants to go to Fiji. And everyone else thinks that we're going to Ukraine. And so when people would say that, we'd say, well, you know, we, uh, I think we would just kind of say, well, we really haven't decided yet. But at that point when we got married, that wasn't really where we felt God was leading us. And the aha moment happened over probably about three or four years. And the way it happened 
was after we got married, that meant that I had in-laws in hmm. Ukraine. And so I thought, well, I better go visit them, right? Yeah. And so we visit. And then we thought, well, you know, we're, we're here for a couple of weeks. It doesn't really make sense for us just to kind of do nothing. Let's do some ministry while we're here. And so we began doing ministry. And then we'd go every year or two back to Ukraine. And, you know, after doing that for about five years, God just worked individually in each of our hearts where we individually came to – we just saw – First of all, it was practical because my wife knows the languages. Mm-hmm. She is fluent in Russian and Ukrainian. It's practical because we have contacts there. We've already had ministry experience there. So we saw the practical side to it. But then, of course, to me, you know, the practicals is one side. You have to have a desire. And, and basically, God began to give us that desire. And I can't even place, you know, say that, where that moment was when we finally realized that. But like I said, it was a process. And somewhere along the road, we just began talking about it. And as we shared our experiences and our thoughts, we were like, wow, well, this makes sense. And God is really drawing us both back there and giving us a desire to go there. So let's go. And and that probably happened in about... Uh, probably about 2003, I think. And uh, when we just finally firmly made that decision, okay, we're going back to Ukraine. I appreciate you sharing that it was a process that brought you to that. Uh, One of the things I typically ask after that is what you did to take what God showed you and start to to put it into action. But in your story, I think it actually kind of went backwards, right? You started doing it and then you realized what God was doing and where God was calling you. I think right in a, in a way yeah it was sort of like God showed us his leading through kind of what we had already started doing yeah. um, and, and then the thing was too that you know I had realized just earlier on that if you know I, I knew that I wanted to be in ministry I wanted to be in missions really and so I was just I was just preparing for it uh, I just didn't know exactly <laughs> where or how and so I was just getting that preparation while the Lord was you know, leading in, in both of our lives and, and would eventually show us where and how. That's excellent. Now, Caleb, we're going to go ahead and move to the present day. We'd like to hear a little bit about what's going on in your ministry. Maybe one thing that's really exciting you right now or something that you see coming in the future. Yeah, well, you know, of course, one thing that's going on is in Ukraine, where we are, is, is a mm-hmm. war. Yeah. And that sort of changed a lot of, uh, a lot of the way... I mean, it's affected ministries there. It's affected churches there greatly, especially in eastern Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, you know, when we get back, uh, which we'll be back next week in Ukraine, there's uh, two things that, that really excite me. One is I'm going to be focusing a lot of my time on a distance online learning program, uh, theological education program. And that's really exciting to me because when you talk about uh, the Russian-speaking world, we're in Ukraine, but most of what we do is in the Russian language. And when you talk about the Russian-speaking world, it's a, it's a huge number of people and it's a huge geographical area. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it very difficult for many in the Russian-speaking world to get the theological education that, that they so badly need. 
because either just geographically, they're so far removed from any school they could offer that, and you're talking days of travel, not hours of travel, or they may be in a country that uh, is is closed to the gospel. And so you have countries like uh, former Soviet uh, uh, republics, like Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, that these are, are pretty much uh, Islamic countries now, and they can't have any kind of institutes or seminaries there. So that's a really exciting thing for me. The other, I don't know if you call it exciting, but I think it's a very important and vital ministry, is that uh, we are planning to do what we can to help out refugees. Because right now in Ukraine, we have uh, somewhere upwards around 100,000 refugees, uh, probably more. And they are, they have been, they've fled from Eastern Ukraine as well as Crimea. And so we are, we have put together uh, an effort with our team of missionaries, raising some funds uh, to, to help these refugees. And so we're going to be doing some projects directly just to help those displaced by the war. And I just think that's a great opportunity to not only just, you know, help these people out physically with some basic needs, but also to share with them a greater hope, to share with them Jesus. That's, that's great. Now, Caleb, if it's okay with you, I'd like to go off script for just a second, because while you were sure. talking about the, the refugees, one of the things that came to my mind is as I think about the world and even you know the, the, the town that I live in, uh, sometimes it can seem like there are so many ministry opportunities, so many people hurting, so many people challenged. And, you know, in the Ukraine, or I'm sorry, in Ukraine, where you talk about refugees and you talk about a number of opportunities. Um, how has God worked in your life to show you which needs he'd like for you to be part of filling? Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question because one of the things that we notice is that especially as new missionaries, when you get onto the field, you're just there's so many needs, you're inundated, mm-hmm. you know? And and at the beginning, of course, you can say yes to many needs, uh, but then the longer you're there, the mm-hmm the more often you have to say no because because you're just busy you're already you know trying to meet needs that you see so uh, for us uh, and, and and well for me uh, specifically i know it's always a it's kind of a battle because yeah. you want to say yes you want to say yes to everything but then i always find myself having to kind of go through my responsibilities and things i've said yes to and and just eliminate things so that i can actually do a good job and those things that I, I really feel God has called me to. Uh, so one of the things that has really helped us with that is having a clear uh, ministry vision and purpose. And so like our ministry vision and purpose in Ukraine is to help local churches grow and to reproduce Okay. And so we really focus on those things, anything that we can do. And of course, there's a lot of things that can come underneath that. But that's why a lot of our ministry is focused on the Church Ministries Institute, because basically we're training church leaders. And we believe that's one of the best ways to help churches grow and reproduce, because churches that have healthy, you know, biblically uh, based leadership. Mm-hmm. Our churches that are generally going to grow yeah. and reproduce. And then we also focus a lot on uh, teaching about evangelism 
And of course, we do evangelism ourselves, uh, but but we really desire to see Ukrainians doing evangelism. Right. And so our goal is to train them in evangelism. And then the third aspect to that is missions, because that's also about reproducing churches. And and so we focus on on training missionaries, and and also we we actually take our students on short-term mission trips, our Ukrainians, uh, to expose them to those things. So having that clear focus of this is why we're here, this is what we accomplish, it helps you sort of when requests come in to say, okay, is that uh, is that lining up with that focus or not? And the thing is, maybe you know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, that doesn't mean it's a bad request. But you know, I might pass that off to maybe another friend or another missionary or another church I know right. that specifically is focused on meeting those kinds of needs. So oftentimes, there's a way I can pass some of those uh, some of those needs on as well. All right. Well, thank you for allowing me to ask that question. I learned so much from you sharing that. That was that was great. Now, Caleb, we do know that not everybody is called to vocational ministry, and our audience is made up primarily of people who are in the U.S. and operate in the marketplace. They do care about missions, but they don't feel called to missions. What would you say to someone who's called into the marketplace but starts wondering if what they're doing in business really matters in the kingdom? Well, first of all, I would say that we we have many missionaries throughout the world that use business as an integral part of of their mission. In fact, I'm thinking of one. I have a a friend who's a missionary in Jordan, and they have a a, a little business where they create handbags, and they use they use women from the community, uh, especially women who you know whose husbands have left them or something have no other means to support themselves. And so um, I just say, you know, business, you have to think about how you could just use that business for the kingdom uh, because there are so many opportunities to use businesses uh, to support missions, uh, uh, use them in a a godly way that would um, help to spread the gospel and of course, we know that. I mean, even the Apostle Paul used business, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he was he was a tent maker, right? Um, so, you know, I wouldn't. I think sometimes people are tempted to just say, "Well, you know, I'm a I'm in business or or whatever." So you kind of write that off as like it can't be ministry. So that's the first thing I say: just don't write it off. You know, don't write off your business. Um, and the second thing is, you know, it could be that God is calling you out of the business world uh, to pursue. Uh, missions full time, you know, and that would be something that, that, uh, just individually you would definitely want to pray about. Um, and I would definitely say involve your church leadership in that and let them know, you know, how you feel that God might be leading you and, uh, and, and see where it goes from there. But, uh, I think that when God does lead an individual into, into missions, uh, it becomes something that, uh, you sort of feel like uh, you just couldn't do anything else. You know what I mean? Uh, that that if, if you were not involved in missions, you you, you would just you, you would not be satisfied. You would not be happy. And whether it's using your business in missions or just you know being a full time supportive missionary like we are, you know you you just want to be involved in missions. There's that desire. Yeah. 
Now, I'm sure that there are some people listening who are already supporting a missionary financially or in prayer, but they want to do more. If somebody really wanted to level up their game, what's one thing they could do that would really provide that encouragement or support for a missionary? Yeah, I think I always encourage people to just start communicating with their missionaries. I mean, I know that we have a lot of people that pray for us, and uh, and usually we hear about that when we get back to the States and we visit our churches and our supporters. Uh, and then every once in a while we hear about it while we're on the field. And for us, that's a big encouragement to hear about it. Uh, so I just I, I think that, you know, it's it's a – initial step it's a first step but oftentimes it can lead to other things you know it can lead to other ways that you might be able to do things or start a project or uh or even go on a short-term missions trip but you know that all begins with you know just maybe taking uh the opportunity just just start communicating and it's you know it's not hard for most of us to do uh because most of our missionaries are connected by email or or in some way around the world well thanks caleb Now, it's time for us to go ahead and transition to the speed round. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back with your amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? (laughs) Okay, I'm not sure how amazing they'll be, but I'll do my best. What's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? I wish I would have known uh, how much joy, really, you get from just just serving the Lord. Sometimes it seems like people... uh, paint it as, as such a trial. There are trials, but you know what? Ultimately, it's just, there's a lot of joy. What's the best advice you've ever received? The best missions advice is be flexible. Just be flexible. That's go with the flow. <laughs> That's the best. Can you share one of your personal habits that you strongly believe contributes to the success you've seen so far? Yes, I think that as much as possible, just trying to connect with people uh, along the way. And, and that goes for when you're back in the States with your, your churches, your supporters, your prayer partners. And then of course that extends onto the mission field of connecting with your neighbors, with, uh, people that, that you meet when you're in the market of connecting with other fellow believers, just Constantly being aware and trying to connect with people is is really vital. Do you have an internet resource that you use and could recommend for our listeners? Um, okay, now you're stumping me on that. <laughs> Dude, I you know I, I use eSword for my Bible study. Okay, tools. I do that. Oh, I know. Sorry, Daily Audio Bible. Okay. Uh, I, I I listen to that podcast pretty much every day. Okay. And um, I listen to it oftentimes uh, when I walk to work, and I love it. Daily Audio Bible. And is that at dailyaudiobible.com? I think it is. I think it is. It's on iTunes. Uh, It's uh, pretty popular. So if you just Google Daily Audio Bible, you'll find it for sure. Okay. I'll make sure to look that up, and that'll be linked up with everything else at the show notes, which again will be at Caleb Sook. I'm sorry at uh, engagingmissions.com slash Caleb Succo. Now, okay. what's one book that you'd recommend for our listeners? Well, let's see. I did just publish a book yesterday. Yes, you did. <laughs> so I will recommend that. And, okay. and I will recommend it for two reasons. One is uh, the book is about worry and anxiety. And, you know, one thing that we've noticed is that one big reason 
why people don't get involved in missions and why people don't share the gospel is because of worry. Uh, we worry about our safety and we also worry about like, for instance, sharing the gospel. What are people going to say? And so I think that this, uh, for, for me doing the study on worry has been very helpful. Uh, just personally, my own journey as a missionary. Uh, and also the second reason, so I think it is helpful in a missions context in evangelism context. Uh Second reason is this, I wrote the book about worry uh, from a biblical point of view. So you know, I talk about what Jesus said about the worry. He talks about a lot, uh, point to a lot of passages, Psalms, Proverbs, things like that. Uh, but what I try to bring the reader back to is the fact that if, if you really want to cure from worry, you have to put your trust in Jesus. And so if I, I, I made the book in sort of like an evangelistic tool. That it is, a, it is an awesome book that if you want to give it to a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, somebody who's struggling with, with worry but mm-hmm. may not even be a believer, this book has a clear message of, of salvation in it right, right in the introduction. And then throughout the book, I just kind of pull people back to the only way to, to permanently get rid of worry is to just really put your faith in Jesus. So that's okay. the book. That's excellent. Do you want to tell us the title? Yes, thank you. It's called What If? How to Kill Worry and Anxiety Before They Kill You. And that's on Amazon, is that right? Correct. All right. Now, Caleb, we've got about 10 minutes or so left on the call, and I do want to be sensitive to your time. Um, But I do also want to go a little bit deeper and get some of your perspective and ministry advice on the last few questions. This is our chance to really learn from your experiences. Sure. What would you tell somebody who's living in the U.S. whose neighbors and coworkers are from a country that we used to consider missionary territory? First of all, I would say that's not so unusual anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and secondly, I would say you know don't be afraid because most likely, especially if they've recently come to America, uh, these people probably are a little timid, and uh, you know they would enjoy getting to know you. And any help that because you might be a great resource for them, and that might be one of the ways that you could connect with them is just by going over there, introducing yourself, maybe see if they have any questions about life in America, and and then get their perspective, their cultural perspective. Every culture that I've been in, and I've I've traveled to to twenty plus countries, you know when you are interested in them and interested in their culture, it just means a, it means a huge amount. And so most of, the, most of these people, they will gladly, you know, treat you with their food or show you things from their country and stuff like that. Show an interest in that and you'll have an amazing opportunity to build a relationship with them that, you know, hopefully you can share Jesus through that relationship with What's one thing that someone could do if they wanted to get started discipling and ministering the love of Christ to one of these neighbors or coworkers who's coming from another country? Well, now we work with uh, uh, with our mission ABWE, mm-hmm. and we have a we have a tool that we use. It's called Good Soil, and we use this primarily for discipleship. But all, well, uh, sorry, I said we use it for evangelism and discipleship. It okay. really works well for both. And so that, that's kind of the go-to tool that, that we use a lot. 
Um, I think this. I can I can give you the site later, but I think it is goodsoil.com. Okay. Actually, I might. Maybe I'll just check that out right now. But um, but basically, it's a it's a tool that's a chronological Bible study that takes uh, the takes the participants from Genesis through Revelation, and it really helps to gain an overall understanding about uh, the Bible. An overall understanding of the gospel as well. And it can be used for unbelievers. It's often a great Bible study for someone that's just interested in the Bible. Uh, but it's we've also used it very successfully with believers to just help them really understand the overall picture of, of God's word. So, uh, yeah, goodsoil.com is the uh, is the site there if you want to check it out. Okay, goodsoil.com. That's, that's great. I would not heard of that resource before, so I'm really glad you shared that. Now, the last question we've got is maybe a little bit tricky. So if you need to, you can think about it for a minute and then come back at us with your answer. Okay. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning. It's your first day of ministry in a brand new country where you don't know anybody yet. You still have your, fam- you know, your families with you. You have your knowledge and your experience. Your food and shelter are covered, but all you have for any additional resources are a laptop and $500 US. What do you do for the first seven days? <laughs> that would be an interesting experience. Um, well, I would say first of all, I would go outside, <laughs> okay. I would get out of get out of my apartment or house or whatever it is. Um, and I'm assuming, do, do I know the language in this country? That's the question. You know, I I have no assumptions. Uh, you can assume okay. whichever you'd prefer. Um, because when we got to Ukraine, I didn't know the language, you know. Okay. So, so if I didn't know the language, that would be high on my priority list. Would be start learning the language and start doing that with a neighbor or somebody I met on the street or or what have you. Uh, if I didn't know the language, uh, then that would obviously make things a lot easier. But you know, I always think just start from where you are, but you have to get out of your house uh, because you know. American culture is this way, where we're in our house, mm-hmm. we get in our car, which is probably in our garage, as long as we don't have too much used uh, exercise equipment in there, and then uh, you know we go to work, and, and, and we we're isolated, and so so the missionary life you just can't be isolated. So I say get out of the house, go outside. Most countries that I've been in, uh, people are outside. If they're not outside, find out where they are. You know whether that's the marketplace, whether that's the park. Uh, whether that's the shopping mall, uh, find find out where people are and, and go to that place and introduce yourself and maybe even tell them why, why you're there. Ask them some questions. See if you can find someone that will help you. And I think those you know are things that you can do quite quickly in the first few days, mm-hmm. depending on the country that you're in. Uh, most countries that I've been in, people are you know they're interested to talk to you. Because you are a foreigner, and oftentimes they're very interested to help you as well, and so uh, those are relationships that you could you can start to build. The, the other thing that you know I would recommend, of course, when we went to Ukraine and and generally with, with missionaries, uh, we have some sort of contacts before we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, let's say you came, you didn't have any contacts. You know, I I, I would start walking around town and looking to see are, are there believers here. Uh, are they gathering somewhere? 
because I would definitely want to connect with, with believers that are already there. And, and then if I can connect with them, see what they're doing already, and then see if there is a way you could help them or a way that you could join them. Okay. Or, maybe there's, or maybe there's a way that they can help you. Uh, but I would definitely want to uh, see if I could find any other believers. Yeah. Okay. Now, we're almost done, Caleb. Will you share with us just one last piece of advice and the best way for someone to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye. All right. Uh, one last piece of advice. Um, you know, I would say don't be afraid to share Jesus with your friends and your coworkers because, you know, really in America, the worst that can happen is that they can reject you. Uh, but it's much worse if you don't share him. Uh, so open that line of communication and, uh, and share Jesus with, with those around you. Uh, how you can connect? Uh, yeah, connect with us on superfamily.org. And, uh, and, you know, I'm on Facebook and, and Twitter, uh, at Suko Family on Twitter. And you can find the link to Facebook, I think, on our website, too. Uh, so definitely would uh, enjoy connecting with uh, your listeners there, yeah. Excellent. Well, Caleb, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate your time, your generosity. You're welcome. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks. That's the end of our time with Caleb Suko. I'm really thankful that he was able to make the time to get together with us, especially with their return to Ukraine coming so quickly. In fact, because of the way we record this and then uh, publish it, by the time you're listening to this, they're already back in Ukraine. And I would like to ask you that you go ahead and join them in prayer as they re-enter their life and their ministry there. As I mentioned a couple of times, the show notes are av- available at engagingmissions.com slash Caleb or slash 21. If there's any questions you have about the show or any comments or anything like that, I'd love to hear from you. If you just shoot me an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com, I'll read your email and I respond to all those emails personally. I really would love to hear from you. And also, I mentioned this last week, but in case you missed it, a couple weeks ago I offered a teaching at my church on a Wednesday night, and some people asked for a resource guide based on what I shared. If you'd like to check out that resource guide, you can find that for free at engagingmissions.com slash lions1. That's lions and the number one. Finally, if you enjoyed the show but you've never subscribed in iTunes or left us a rating and review, it would really mean a lot if you could do that. That really helps us raise the rankings in iTunes and helps other people find us. If you've never done that, and it seems a little bit intimidating, don't worry. If you visit engagingmissions.com slash iTunes, I've got a short video there that shows you everything that you need to know to go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a rating and review. And it's also got a link right there, so you can click right through. If you could do that, it would really mean a lot. This has been the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Thanks so much for listening. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.